I'm going to talk about healing from a little bit different angle tonight. Uh, the Lord kind of redirected me this morning to go um, uh, just a little bit different direction. It's going to be on healing, but just a little bit direction, different direction. And, um, you know, there's a story in the Bible about a leper. And, uh, you know, leprosy is a horrible, horrible disease. It's so disfiguring. Uh, you feel so... Um, I've seen lepers, and it is just a horrible, horrible thing. I mean, their, um, their nose can fall off, their limbs fall off, because the life in their, those limbs just die up, and it just, just falls off. I've, I've seen teenagers with leprosy. It just breaks your heart. But there was a story about this leper in the Bible, and he came to Jesus, and he knelt down and worshipped Jesus. And when he worshipped Jesus, that was the highest thing that he could do. That was the greatest thing that he could do. Because when we, we worship, we give God thanks, we give him praise, that is our ministry to him. That's not something he gives to us, but that is what we give to him. And that's actually the highest form of prayer that you can pray. When you get your eyes off of yourself and you put them on the healer. There was a dear friend of mine. Uh, her husband was in, in excellent health. And one day at home, he just collapsed. And so they rushed him to the hospital. And the doctor said, I don't know how to tell you this, but um, your whole, your husband's whole body, every part of his body is shutting down. And he will be dead in just a few hours. And there's nothing we can do. I says, like the whole body said, I'm done. I mean, this is a young man. And the doctor said, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I'm just so sorry, but his whole body is shutting down and he will be dead in a few hours. And she said, no, no, not my husband. And she left the hospital and she went home and she turned on her worship music and she began to give God worship. And she worshiped for almost a solid three hours. And then the phone rang and it was the hospital. And the doctor said, I don't know what happened, but he is completely whole. You can come and get him. He's ready to go home. See, worship can break through when there are times when nothing else can. There's times when just when you're giving him thanks, you're giving him praise, you're giving him worship. That can break through. Uh, a number of years ago, and I'm not going to go into detail, but... Um, a number of years ago, I had a, a horrible thing happen. A very, it was the saddest thing of my life when I had a missing child. You know, you hear a lot about missing children. And uh, it's devastating when you have a missing child. It's, it's very sad when a young child dies. But at some point, with God's help, you can get closure. But when you have a missing child, there's never closure. There is no closure when your child is missing. My child was missing for four months and three days. 
It's one of those situations where the police say if we don't find your child within 12 to 24, maybe 48 hours, you'll never see your child again. I thought, no, not my child. And um, someone, well, I wasn't someone, it was uh, the worship leader at our church. He gave me a CD, and it was by uh, Russ Taft. It's an old song, but it said, God can move through those who praise him. Praise the Lord. And every night... I went outside and I would look up at the moon and the stars. And with tears streaming down my cheeks, I offered a sacrifice of praise. Night after night, with tears streaming down my cheeks, I offered a sacrifice of praise, thanking God that his blood was upon my daughter and that the blood of God never loses its power. And I have a, a beautiful testimony, which maybe some other time I can share. But at the end of four months and three days, I held my daughter back in my arm. It's the power of praise. It's the power of worship. It's the power of thanksgiving that can break through when absolutely nothing else can. And so tonight, I want us to look um, at the Gospel of John. John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, verse 23, John 4, 23, But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I used to work for a ministry uh, that taught worship as a lifestyle. It was a wonderful ministry. I, I really enjoyed working for that ministry. But every time we had a seminar, it just seemed like there was a, a struggle to get people to come. I mean, they, we just never had a, just a really good turnout. But when we had the healing seminars, we always had such a big turnout. And one day, I mean, it was right after the healing seminar, and I'm walking across the parking lot to get to my car, and I said, God... That was great tonight. That was just a great healing seminar. You just did so much and touched so many people. And I says, but Lord, why is it that there's so many people that come to the healing seminar and there's so few people come to the worship seminar? And he answered me immediately. He said, healing is what I give my people. Worship is what my people give to me. But my people are not givers like they think they are. But if my people would learn to worship me, not only would their healing come easier, but it would take them into a higher dimension of walking in divine health. See, we need to give God the glory. We sang, we, you deserve the glory. We lift up our hands and, and worship you. That needs to be something as a lifestyle because he alone is worthy to be praised at all times. No matter what we're going through, he is worthy to be praised. And I want to give you just a couple definitions tonight so that you can really see the difference between thanksgiving, praise, and worship. And you know, when, when you get prayed for and you don't get an instant healing... From that moment on, you always 
give him thanks. You give him praise. Otherwise, you're beginning to doubt and you just cancel out what you just received. Amen? So the, the definition of thanksgiving is our response to the presence of God in our lives. And thanksgiving, it's, uh, it's almost like a type of salvation. And it's almost always an automatic response. If you get saved from uh, maybe just a horrible lifestyle or something, and maybe like a Damascus Road experience or something, I mean, the first thing you're going to do is say, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Amen? I mean, when you get set free, thank you. I mean, it's almost automatic to say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, praise is different. Praise is our response to God's word working in our lives. Sometimes somebody will come up on a Sunday and they want to give a testimony where they're going to testify what God has done in their life according to they applied the word of God. And after we hear someone give a testimony, what do we say? Praise the Lord. (laughs) Praise God. Because it's our response to God's word working in our lives. And worship is still different. Worship is our response to a continual awareness of his presence, that you are just so constantly aware of his presence. Worship actually means to kiss. It means to draw close with the intent to kiss. Worship is intimacy with God. Worship is not an automatic response. Worship must be cultivated. It comes from taking time to spend time with your Heavenly Father. It is not automatic. Now, I want you to turn to Psalms 100. Psalms 100 Let's begin with verse 1. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Now, this is talking about attitude. How we come into the presence of the Lord. That we come making a joyful noise. We serve the Lord with gladness. We come in his presence with singing. And then it goes on to say, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. When it says no, it means You have to know it in your heart. This isn't talking about head knowledge. It's talking about you know in your heart that he is God. It is he that has made us. We are not, not we ourselves, but we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Therefore, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him And bless his name, for the Lord is good, and his mercy is everlasting. He is always worthy to be praised. Amen. But you know, the Lord knew that there would be times where we don't feel like coming into his presence to sing and dance, and we don't always feel like that. Amen. 
That's why when my daughter was gone, I didn't feel like singing and dancing. But I praised him with tears streaming down my cheeks. I wasn't dancing and singing. I want you to turn to Psalms 107. In Psalms 107, and let's look at verse um, 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Now look at verse 22. And let them sacrifice the sacrifice of thanksgiving. So he knew that there's times where we're not going to feel like jumping and dancing and singing praises. He said, but I want you to do it even if it's a sacrifice. Even when you don't feel like doing it. Why? Because it's for our benefit. Because this is something, again, that we give to the Lord. This is our ministry unto him. This is not what he gives us. This is what we give him. We are honoring him. I mean, when you praise him, you thank him, it goes into the very spirit fabric of the Lord God Almighty. It's for our benefit because you can never outgive God. It's for our benefit. And I want to share... Um, I want us to look at a story in the Bible about a person who was facing uh, a life-threatening situation. And you might be facing something that's life-threatening. You might be facing a situation that the doctor said was inoperable. There's always times where you might be facing that it just seems it's absolutely impossible. I don't know how this is going to, I don't know how I'm going to get out of the situation. It is life-threatening. But I want us to see how this individual handled this situation. And you're going to know him very well when I tell you his name. His name is Jonah. So let's look at Jonah. If you go to Matthew and back up about seven books, you'll find Jonah right over there. (laughs) It's a beautiful story. And in Jonah, y'all find Jonah so far? Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. So back up about seven books there. And in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 17, it says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. Now, first of all, this fish was prepared by God. And it was not designed to be a fish of Jonah's destruction but of Jonah's preservation. It was designed to save Jonah, not kill Jonah. If God was angry with Jonah, all he had to do was just leave him alone and he would have drowned. And it says that Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then, after three days and after three nights, Jonah prayed unto the Lord. Now, so many times I thought, why would you wait three days and three nights? Now, I live about seven minutes from the ocean in California, and we have sharks out there. I mean, if I ever even just saw a shark, (laughs) I'd be praying instantly, let alone some big old whale that's going to swallow me up and already has swallowed me. I wouldn't be, I don't, I mean, I thought, why? Why would you wait? 
so long. And then I thought, now Jonah was a prophet. He was a man of God. God was using Jonah. And I thought about Adam and Eve. What happened when they disobeyed God? They ran and hid themselves. They said, I was afraid. They were ashamed. They hid themselves. They clothed themselves. See, when you disobey God, what happens? Shame, guilt, condemnation. And I thought that's probably what happened to Jonah. He disobeyed God when he was told to go to Nineveh. He didn't want to do it. He disobeyed God. And so now he's in this belly of this whale, and he's probably thinking, well, I got what I deserve. Seriously, probably, well, this is what I deserve. So he's in there for three days and three nights. And you know, that has got to be one horrible situation. I mean, it's dark down there, probably pretty smelly. He's not just sitting on a lounging chair thinking about what he's going to do next. He's tossing and tumbling and uh, it's smelly. And I mean, I, I can't even imagine how horrible that situation would be. And then it says, so he prays unto God and he cried unto God with reason of mine affliction. And he said unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and you heard my voice. You might be facing a situation and maybe you're, you find yourself in a, in a place where you just feel like you are at the, the bottom of the barrel. I mean, life just couldn't get any worse. And maybe you're just even upset with yourself for some things that you've done and you could just kick yourself. But you can, you can be what you would feel like would be the pit of hell. And you can cry out to God and heaven will always hear your voice. Doesn't matter how low in life you think you've come, heaven will always hear your voice. Jonah said, I cried from the belly of hell and you heard my voice. And then he begins to describe his situation down in verse 5. He says, The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depths closed me round about, and the weeds were wrapped around my neck, my head. What's happening here? He's describing death. He's drowning. He's being crushed. He's being strangled with all those weeds. If something doesn't happen pretty soon, he's going to die. He's been there now three days and three nights. And he is now going through the digestive process of this whale's belly. He's now being digested. And something better happen pretty soon. You know, God will always give us a second chance. But, you know, there's a time there. You need to, you need to not keep procrastinating. You need to cry out to God, even if it's from the, the pit of hell. Amen. Because heaven will always hear your voice. And he said, I went down to the bottom of the mountains. And then I just dropped down to verse 7. And when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. What do you suppose he remembered? That God is good. His mercy endures forever. That God is a forgiving God. I remembered the Lord and my prayer came in unto thee into thy holy temple. And look at verse 9. And I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. Sacrifice. 
There's nobody down there. He's not going to be impressing anybody. He's all alone. And he's going to offer a sacrifice because he is not feeling very chipper. He's not in a good place. But he knows, I'm going to thank God. And this is going to be, it's a sacrifice. I don't feel like it, but I'm going to do it. <clears throat> and I thought it was interesting here because it says, with a voice. This was not a silent prayer request. This is with a voice. He is going to talk to God out loud and offer a sacrifice of praise, of thanksgiving. And then he says, I will pay that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Now you must remember salvation includes healing, deliverance. It includes whatever you need, spirit, soul, and body, financially and socially. Amen. Whatever you need, salvation is of the Lord. <clears throat> and so here he is crying out to God, and the Lord spoke to the fish. God didn't say one word to Jonah. Not one word. Instead, he spoke to the fish. That fish represented Jonah's situation. God spoke to his situation. See, when you cry out, if the sacrifice of thanksgiving praise, whatever it is, God will speak to your situation. And he spoke to Jonah's situation. And he spoke to that fish and he told the fish to vomit Jonah. And not out in the middle of the season. You take him all the way back to the dry land. You know, it's interesting. All of mankind always seems to want to rebel against God. Always arguing. But nature doesn't. You know, when, when God spoke to that fish, that fish probably said, Amen, Lord. Amen. Whatever you want me to do, I'll take him to the shore. And so he did. And he put him right back where he was when the last time he got instructions from God. God will always take you right back to that last place where he spoke to you. He's not going to take you any further until you go back and do what he told you to do the very last time. He's not going to skip any steps in between. Amen. He'll always give you another chance. And that's what, uh, that's what he's doing to Jonah. He's taking him back. And then he went on and obeyed God and did what he was supposed to do. But it's a beautiful story because you might be facing a situation that seems totally hopeless to you. Absolutely impossible. But there's nothing impossible with God. All things are possible, no matter what your situation is, because he is the same yesterday, today, right now. Right now, whatever you need, he is still working uh, today. You know, there was a man, this is a true story about a man in uh, Africa. He was on the worship team, and uh, he uh, played the guitar, and he was a very prosperous young man. Uh, he had a very good business, and he had become very wealthy at a young age. His wife had her own business, and she too was very prosperous. Uh, they had two little boys and, and very active in the church. And before they would put the boys to bed every night, he'd get out his guitar, and he would play, and they always sang to Jesus before they put the boys to bed. But then one day, he made a mistake. He made a very bad decision, and he lost everything. He was absolutely devastated. They had, to, uh, they, they had a boat 
They had an airplane. I mean, they was very, he was very prosperous. They lost everything. They had to move into a small apartment, and they were in there, and they got the boys ready to bed. And, of course, the boys didn't really understand what happened because they were pretty little. And so he told the boys, get in bed. And they said, well, Daddy, don't forget now. We haven't, we haven't sung to Jesus. And Daddy said, not tonight, boys. Just, I just need you to get to bed. But, Daddy, we always sing to Jesus before we go to bed. Not tonight, boys. But, Daddy. Okay, one song. He picked up his guitar, and he started to play, and he broke down. He started to cry, and he said, God, I'm sorry. I can't. I just can't do it tonight. God, do you understand? I've lost everything. I have lost everything. I just can't sing tonight. And he heard the Lord say to him, well, when you lost everything, did that include your salvation? And the boy said, well, no, God, I, I didn't lose my salvation. And the Lord said, then I am still worthy to be praised. And he picked up his guitar, and he began to sing to the Lord once again. And within less than a year, God restored more than he had lost. There is just something that happens that cannot happen any other way other than giving God the glory. He is always worthy to be praised, to be thanked, whatever he... Whatever situation you're in, he is still worthy to be praised, even when it's a sacrifice, even when you don't feel like it, even if you have to stand outside under that moon and those stars with tears streaming down your, seat, your cheeks, he is worthy. He will always be worthy. So I want us to look a little bit closer at, at praise because we read here in John that God is seeking those who will worship him. You know, when you get born again, sometimes we get so excited about what God has done in our life. We want to we just tell everybody, look what the Lord has done. We want to go out and witness to everybody. But, and that's a good thing. But that's not what God is looking for when you first get saved. What he is wanting from us is for us to be a worshiper. Not an evangelist. Again, nothing wrong with sharing the gospel with people. But if you, if you uh, understand that God is seeking such to worship him, it is so critical. But what is the catalyst that God uses? How does he get us to the place, <clears throat> excuse me, to get us to the place of giving thanks, of just being born again and then becoming a worshiper? What is that catalyst? How do I come from just being a brand new Christian to being a worshiper? The catalyst is his word. The word is the catalyst that God uses. I want you to turn to Psalms, Psalms 47. In Psalms 47, this will really help you when you grab hold of what it really means to worship the Lord as a lifestyle. In Psalms 47, 
uh, beginning in verse 6, it says, Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises unto our King, sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing praises with understanding. So see, if you don't really have an understanding, if you just come up and and you just start singing songs just from your mouth and not from your heart, you don't really understand. I mean, it's like, majesty, I worship his majesty. You have to know he is majestic in your life. And so you, you need to sing songs like that with understanding. It's not just singing a song, it's worship. It's honoring God, understanding what are those words saying that you are singing. So we need to do it with understanding. Look at uh, chapter 56. In 56, verse 4. In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do to me. See, without the word... If you don't really understand the word, your praise is shallow. We don't want shallow praise. We want to praise him with understanding. Now look at um, uh, 56 verse. No, let's go to Psalms 113. Psalms 113. Verse 3. From the rising of the sun until the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. I didn't really get a revelation of that scripture until I started, until I started traveling all around the world. You know, I would be in um, California and, and uh, people in Hong Kong, they've already been up and praising the Lord. Mm-hmm. And pretty soon the people in uh, Switzerland or in Ireland, they were up a little bit earlier they were praising the Lord. Then pretty soon the people in Germany, just an hour later, they got up and they were praising the Lord. Then pretty soon the people in New York, they're praising the Lord. Then pretty soon the people in Chicago, they're praising the Lord. Then pretty soon the people like me in California, we get up and we're praising the Lord. From the rising of the sun till the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. This time zone thing has nothing to do with jet lag. <laughs> it's all about having a continual praise coming up to the throne room. God wants that continual praise coming into him from the rising of the sun till the going down of the same. There is a continual praise going into the holy temple of God. Isn't that awesome? How he, he's so clever. Isn't he clever making all those different time zones like that? Now look at uh, chapter 119, 119 and verse 7. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when, not before, but when I have learned your righteous judgments. He's talking about having a divine revelation of the word. We need to have have an understanding in our heart. Because if you don't really understand the word, if there's no, no word, there's no praise. No praise, no joy. No joy, no strength. No strength, no church. So we've got to have an understanding of the word. 
Because again, no word, if there's no genuine word, then there's no genuine praise. No word, no praise, no praise, no joy, no joy, no strength, because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And if there's no strength, there's no strong church. So we've got to understand within our heart. And now look at verse 62. Verse 62. I'm sure this will bring something to your remembrance. At midnight I will rise and give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. Who does that remind you of? Paul and Silas, right? There they are in this horrible situation. They're in this prison. And they're, they're, I mean, those, that prison was not a very nice, pleasant place. You know, our prisons today, I mean, Paul and Silas would think, shake their head. <laughs> I mean, they're, yeah, they're, they're in chains. There's no sanitation. There's probably rats. I know when I was in Rome, I saw one of the prisons that they said Paul was in. Horrible place. And Paul is probably sitting down there and thinking and remembering this scripture. He probably give Silas a kick and said, Silas, get up. Hey, bro, it's midnight. <laughs> Let's do what the psalmist said. Let's start praising the Lord. And what did they do? They got up and started praising the Lord. And what did God do? He spoke to their situation. An earthquake happened. It opened those prison gates. You know, when God does an earthquake, nobody gets hurt. Yeah, nobody got hurt during that. When a Mother Nature type thing. This was, this was God made an earthquake. He spoke to their situation, and they got set free. People got saved because of praise and worship. Even, you know, midnight is not the devil's hour. That's God's hour. Every hour you're facing, that's God's hour. Amen. Now look at, um, let's look at verse uh, 162. Let's go there, 162. I rejoice at your word as one that finds a great spoil. I don't know if you were here this morning. I was talking about that man who had won the lottery twice. Won the lottery twice, and then he got saved. And I, I think about him when I read this scripture, because he said, I rejoice at the word of God, because he said it was greater than winning the lottery twice. I mean, he got a true revelation of what the word of God was to him. And then I like what it says in verse 164. Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgments. Seven times a day. You know, we come to church sometimes one day out of seven to praise the Lord. The psalmist said, I do it seven times in one day. That is a, truly a flip-flop. But that's because it's a lifestyle. It's got to become a lifestyle because, you know, we need God's help every day. There isn't a day goes by, but what we don't need his help in some way or another. So we need to have that spirit of praise upon us at all times. And then I like what it says in verse 165. Great peace have they who love my law. Nothing shall offend them. We have no... Offense is not, has not, has, should not be a part of our life. If you love the word of God, you will take no offense. I heard a pastor say one time, 
He said, you know, we're supposed to be built up with the Holy Ghost and get drunk in the Holy Ghost. You know, the more drunk you are, the better everybody looks. <laughs> he said, that's the way it was in the world. I said, I don't know. I've never been drunk. But uh, if you get drunk in the Holy Ghost and you're filled with the Holy Ghost, there is no room for offense. There is just no room for offense when you're filled with the Word of God. Amen. You know, God is coming back for a glorious church. He's coming back for a church that is passionately in love with him. And so the word of God needs to be fresh in us every single day. You know, if I had a, a basket of uh, fruit, one had a rotten banana and a bruised up apple, or another basket had a bright yellow banana and a bright orange and a, and a delicious smelling apple, which one would you pick from? The one that's fresh because it has the most nutrients in it. So it is with the Word of God. It needs to be fresh in us every single day. Because if there's no true Word, no Word, no joy, no joy, no praise, no praise, no strength. Amen? So we've got to have the Word in us truly every day. Uh, turn to John 15. John 15. Again, praise and worship can bring a breakthrough what prayer alone cannot. You might have given, been given a horrible report from the doctor. It might seem like it's absolutely impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. And so he just directed me to do it this way tonight. So is that okay? You're learning anything. In John chapter 15, uh, verse 5, and this is Jesus speaking. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. In the Amplified, it says, apart from vital union with me, you can do nothing. Vital, he calls it. It's absolutely vital that we take time to spend time with him in praise and thanksgiving and in worship. And there's just something happens when you worship the Lord. When you come in, when you come into the presence of God, you can never come into his presence without receiving an impartation. When you truly come into that secret place of the Most High God, there will always be an impartation. And it'll be whatever you need it to be. And with that impartation comes that, that word of knowledge or that wisdom or the clarity of what you need to do or the adjustment that you need to make. There will be that anointing. There will be something that you will receive which will be the exact thing that you need to have from the Lord. But it's only going to come through that vital union with him when you come into that secret place to worship, whether it's with tears streaming down your, your cheeks or not, whether it's a sacrifice or it's not a sacrifice. Something always will happen. When you come into his presence, there will always be that impartation. Always, always. Because you're giving to God and you can never outgive God. You know, there's just something special when you come into the secret place. And you need to learn, 
You need to learn to be very quiet in the secret place because you can't do all the talking. You need to learn to listen. Listening is such an important thing. And you know what you are in the secret place at home becomes your supply in the corporate place when you come together. What you are at home determines the supply you bring corporately. And when you can learn to be silent in the secret place at home, when you come in here and you begin to worship the Lord, and the Lord begins to do something really special, and sometimes there will be a, a hush, just a hush comes over the whole atmosphere. And when that happens, you need to be very quiet. Sometimes people get nervous and they'll start clapping or doing something. Don't do that. If you don't know what to do, you just take your seat and be real quiet. The pastor will know what to do. But it's in that time when that, oh, that, that beautiful hush comes across the atmosphere. That's when that backslider is going to come to this altar. That's when that crippled person's going to get out of that wheelchair. That's when that blind eye opens. It's in that place, that secret place, when you come together corporately. I remember one time I was, um, I just, I just wanted to get into the secret place and I, I was worshiping God. It was in the evening. I was home and I just wanted to worship God. And, and something had happened earlier that evening where I, had, I got cold and I just, I just couldn't get warm. I just had chills and I, I just felt so uncomfortable. And my mind said, why don't you just get out of bed and get a blanket? Won't take but a minute. But my spirit said, no, I'm already in the secret place. <laughs> I'm not coming out. And my body just kept arguing, just get me a blanket. I don't know if you remember, I don't remember what session it was. I think it might have been in the healing session where I said, sometimes you need to talk to your body. You need to talk to your mind and tell it to be quiet. I did that that day. I said, body, just be quiet. Get over it. Just get over it. <laughs> and that's sometimes you need to say, just get over it. You're not going to get a blanket. I'm not coming out of this secret place. It was, I had already entered into, you've probably all been there, but there's, you can get into that place. There's just that, you, you enter in so far. There's just, you know what I'm talking about? You, you're just in there. And all of a sudden, there was uh, such a presence of God, all of a sudden just saturated my room. And I heard the Lord speak to me, and he said, when you begin to worship me like that, he said, I, even I won't tolerate distractions. You've come this far, I'll take it from here. And he showed me, whenever, if you're in pain or sickness and you've got that disease, when you come into the secret place, you get into that high place of worship, God said, I won't tolerate that sickness. I won't tolerate it. You've come this far, I'll take it from here. And that's when you can be, really begin to experience 
some supernatural things from God where that miracle of healing can happen just like that. But, you know, there's a price to pay. I can remember, um, we can read in the Bible where, you know, Jesus used to always go up to the mountain to pray and get alone with the Father. Now, one day he asked Peter and James and John to go with him. And the Bible says he took them up to a, a high mountain, not just a mountain, but this one was a high mountain. Now, Jesus was used to climbing the mountains because he always went up there to pray and be alone with the Father. But Peter, James, and John, they're fishermen. They're not used to all this mountain climbing stuff. You know, they're probably halfway up there, and Peter says, Are we there yet? Are we almost there yet? And they're probably huffing and a puffing and a huffing and a puffing because they're not used to it. But when they got up there, oh, it was so worth it because there before their eyes was the transfiguration of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there was a price to pay to get to that place. And so it is with us. There's a price to play, a price to, play, to pay. But it, oh, it's so worth it. But you know, we need, to, we need to learn to get alone, to get quiet and listen, because God knows exactly what you need. But it's, it's just, it's so precious to get in to that secret place. And I wrote this down. As we have an intake of the word, we will have a greater outflow of worship. You know, God is not looking for perfection, but he is looking for a pure heart. He's looking for a heart that is so hungry for him that you, you, can, you can never outgive God. And like I said, I think I said it this morning, an old Scotchman was one asked, once asked, why do you love the word of God so much? And he said, it's because I know the one who wrote it so very well. And that needs to be our testimony. Because from Genesis to Revelations, he says, I love you, I love you, I love you. And I will supply every need that you have. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, who forgives all my iniquities, who heals all of my diseases, who delivers my life from all destruction. So whatever you're going through tonight, he's here. He wants to set you free. He wants you to be set free from that pain, from that sickness, from that disease. And I want to pray with you tonight. But I also want to challenge you that in the days ahead, or, or maybe even some of you tonight, there might be some of you tonight that you don't need healing, but it might be where you just want to fall in love afresh. Just fall in love with him afresh. That you could just come up and, and kneel at an altar. And maybe you just need to say, Lord, I just want to repent of my attitude. I haven't always come into your presence with singing, with praise. But I want to make that change in my heart tonight. You could do that. I mean, when I'm praying for people, if you want to come up and just, uh, just come up and worship and just fall in love afresh with God. 
Just come up and get into the secret place. But when I pray for you tonight, and you have symptoms perhaps at midnight or tomorrow morning, I want to just challenge you. You just get into that secret place. Just get into that secret place and you begin to offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving, praise, worship, because you're so valuable to him. And no matter what you're going through, he is still worthy to be praised. Amen. Does that help you tonight? To, to really help you to understand that, that thanksgiving and praise and worship, that can break through when sometimes nothing else can. So, Ray, do you have something really special, something really worshipful that we can soft and worship? And So if you want me to pray with you tonight, I'm just going to invite you to come up here.